This is the Monoology Podcast. Monroe County, Ohio. It's my home. With your hosts, Mike and Joey. Hey, Mike. Joey! Guess what number show is this? Um, I believe this is 26. 26 episodes of Morrowology this time around. Yeah, this time around. This time around the sun. So, um, before we get started, I uh, just want to say that our, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to the, the 13 that were killed in action in Afghanistan. Um, thoughts and prayers out to their families, and I uh, want to thank them for um, their sacrifice to America. Um, so we'll just take a, a quick moment here. And All right, so Mike, uh, back into uh, the the busy world of Morrow County here. Well, can we, I start out? Yeah. What do you want to start with? Well, I want to talk about the Chamber of Commerce. Oh, you do. We have a new person heading that up. Would you like to tell us about that? <laughs> we do. I her... surprised you, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we're going to have her on. Uh, this is uh, the new director. Executive Director of the Chamber of Commerce is Angela Powell, my wife. She's going to say she has the same last name as you. She does. We are related. Sometimes she'll tell you that we're not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that happens. Uh, so we are um, we are happy. She's happy to be joining the Chamber of Commerce. Um, her start date is coming up. I think it's September 1st. Not 100% sure, but... Uh, She's starting. She's super excited to get to know everybody and, uh, you know, get out there and be the, the chamber voice and face. And, um, yeah, so we'll have her on here, Mike, after she starts and uh, talk about some of the things that she wants to do and uh, some of the progress that she wants to put into motion for the chamber. And uh, thank you to, um, to uh, the Chamber of Commerce for giving her that opportunity. And... Um on a little bit different about the Chamber of Commerce, um, I'd like to uh, share our sympathy with the uh, Planey family. Um, Shelly Planey had been over the Chamber of Commerce for a few years. She was a very sweet lady, and she will be missed. Very much so. Um, very, just a bubbly person. Oh, yes, she was. Definitely. Um, getting into, since this is coming out uh, Monday, Mike here, right before the fair, just want to go over a few things at the fair. Harness racing is Monday and Tuesday. Starts at 4.30. Then we have um, Steamtown Road Concert at the Small Arena on Wednesday at 7 p.m. And Diesel Truck Drag Racing at the Grandstands at 7 p.m. Um, we also have on Thursday the Rough Truck at the Grandstands at 8 p.m. As well as the Kick and Grass Band at the small stage from 8 to 10 p.m. Then, Friday night, Central Ohio and Buckeye Truck Pools at the Grandstand starts at 7 p.m. Saturday, OSTPA Tractor Pool and uh, Truck Pools starts That'll at That'll be 7 Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Yes, and on Sunday, we have Nashville Crush at 6.30 p.m., followed by Kentucky Headhunters, at the, and both of those are at the Grandstands, Kentucky Kentucky Headhunters will be at 8 p.m. And then Monday, the close of the fair, besides the uh, livestock sales, 
you're also going to have the demo derby starting at 4.30 at the fairgrounds. And uh, just a reminder here, Midway opens uh, Tuesday through Sunday, noon to 11, with uh, dinner time closure at 5 to 6. And uh, you can get those passes. They have all-day passes uh, for the, the Midway rides, as well as the youth and adult pass uh, for the fair are still available. Uh, thank you to Snyder Funeral Homes for the pocket schedule that we've been using here in the... Uh, the studio, and um, also Mara County Office of Recycling and Litter Prevention. And speaking of the fair, I'd like to remind everybody that the uh, Garverick Log House will be open uh, back in the northwest corner of the fairgrounds. And the porch was getting a little rickety, so through the donations of some um, local folks, we uh, were able to get the porch redone this year and reinforced. I can even run across it and won't cave in. Nice. And uh, so, so are you going to be sitting in a rocking chair with <laughs> like a hat on and a house coat? You know, just sitting there with a banjo, or <laughs> I'm just curious. With corn corn cob pie, corn yeah, cob sure. pie. And uh, uh, back to the uh, subject at hand here. Sorry about um, that. There were several <laughs> several logs that were uh, really rotted, and um, those have been worked on. And so come and see our. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, refurbished. See. Yeah, the refurbished. Refurbished uh, Garbrick Log House at the uh, Mara County Fair. And also, Senior Citizen of the Year. Maggie Clark. Maggie Clark. She did the flowers down there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was a great picture of her receiving her award. So congratulations, Maggie Clark, on that. All right, Mike, real quick. We have yoga with Chastity. Hey. Not, yeah, not, not yoga, not yogi. Well, then I won't call for boo-boo. All right. So, um, let's see. In Cardington, uh, we have yoga with chastity in the people place in person in Cardington starting on the 7th of September. It's a Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Looks like they're going to have that a couple times through the month. Uh, concrete pumpkin make and take. Sponsored by the Ohio State University Extension Office of Morrow County. That's going to be at 6.30 on uh, Wednesday, September 8th. And that is, I believe, out at the Headwaters Education uh, Center on uh, Home Road or on uh, County Road 76, right next to the Sheriff's Office, for most of you who um, are familiar. And then we also have the Plant Horticulture, Plant and Horticulture Book and Magazine Swap. And that's going to be September 16th. That's a Thursday at 6.30 p.m., also sponsored by the Ohio State University Extension Center of Morrow County. And that, Mike, is going to be held at dun -dun -dun -dun, Bunkers Mill Winery. Okay. Yes. Get your drink on. Drive safely. Please have a DD. But uh, you can have a nice glass. I recommend either blue denim or white satin. Two very nice wines. Um but you can bring your magazine, swap, have a chat. Um, there, it looks like they're even going to allow people to, to um, you know, share plants. If you dig a plant up, uh, bring it to, you know, have a start at somebody else's house. Um, so that's going to be a Bunker's Mill there, 102 East Marion or East Main Street in Cardington, and that's September 16th at 6:30 p.m. And uh, I think, Mike, that um, is not quite it. 
Not Believe quite it. Not there's quite more, it. There's yeah. more to come. There's more. Okay. But wait, there's more. All right. Uh, Antique Car Show in Downtown Day is Saturday, September 18th. Starts at 9 a.m. Downtown Mount Gilead. Mount Gilead. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, it's lasts about five hours. Looks like for the Antique Car Show, it's $10 per entry. They're only accepting um, the first 50 entries, so they're limiting it to 50. Online registration starts at, or I'm sorry, on-site registration starts at 10 a.m. The show runs 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Judging is from noon to 1. And the award ceremony is at 1.45. They're going to be giving away cash prizes, $100 cash prize to the best in show, $50 cash prize to the runner-up, and third place is going to be a $25 cash prize. Merchant specials, uh, the village gathering place pop-up shops are 9 uh, to 2. And then they're taking applications for outdoor vendors and farmer's market vendors for the same day. If you're interested, please message them. And that, again, that is the uh, Mount Gilead downtown folks. And I'm looking here for the contact info. It says Mount Gilead shops and restaurants. Um, so if you go on to the uh, Facebook group that is the Think Local First, Morrow County, Ohio, Go to the events page. You'll be able to find this link, and then you can actually go into the information to contact these folks about that. There are lots of people who are interested in this event, around 230 people okay. so far. So it looks to be like a big, fun day. Um, some activities are going to be provided by the Perry Cook Memorial Public Library. And there will be food trucks. Oh, Holler Dogs, Holler Dogs Food Truck. I hadn't seen that before. I don't know anything about them. I'm assuming by the name it would be a hot dog truck. I would, I would but I don't know. And may I add to that, the uh, Morrow County History Center at 17 West High Street will be open as well um, for most of that event. So stop in and see us there. Uh, so you're opening on a Saturday? Yes, we, yes, we are. For that event? For that event. Nice. All right. And I'm not sure if the uh, streets are closed for that day, if Main Street is, Main Street is closed. So... Uh, you know, it'll be a big event with uh, uh, cars lining uh, Main Street and Mount Gilead. So if you can, stop in. Definitely. All right, Mike, I think that is it for the week. Um, hopefully everyone gets out and enjoys the last couple weeks of uh, summer weather here as uh, it will not be long and that white stuff will be flying, I'm sure. Don't say that. I hate That's to say that. That's a four-letter word. That one starts with S. Don't, don't use it. Yes, I, I'm well aware. This week's Morrow County Flashback, brought to you by the Morrow County Historical Society. All right, Mike, where are you taking us, or when are you taking us this week? Well, Sherman, let's stop and uh, uh, step into the uh, Wayback Machine and go back to about 1928. 1928, all right. We're going to be talking about the start of the Mount Gilead State Park, and the information I'll be sharing today is from the Threads of Time, which was published by the uh, Morrow County Sentinel back in 1990, 1989. Excuse me. So um, it's a short article, but I'm going to read it. It was written by Alberta Stakovic, who most of you hey, probably know. Hey, we know her. Of course we do. Her husband used to clean my teeth. So it um, starts off in, eight, in 1980. In 1928, J.W. Schaefer was the owner of 100 acre, 120 acres that the state had been considering developing as a reserve for fish and wildlife. The first lake on the property was built before 1919, 
on the upper level of Sam's Creek. It was announced at the January 21, 1928 meeting of the Morrow County Branch of the League of Ohio Sportsmen that the state of Ohio was ready to take over the Schaefer property east of Mount Gilead for the purpose of establishing a hatchery and dam with lakes. After five years of negotiations and planning, the state was offering $50 per acre for the 123 acres. The money would come not from taxes, but from the fund raised from hunting and fishing licenses. $19,000 were to be spent in the construction of a dam and new buildings. The purchase of the property was the culmination of many years of work by the local sportsman's league. They acted as liaison between the state and J.W. Schaefer in acquiring the property. The original plans and transactions took place under C.B. Truex, head of the Department of Agriculture for Ohio. At that time, parks, fish, and game were a part of the Agriculture Department. C.W. McFarland, who was mayor of Mount Gilead, was named caretaker of the newly organized State Lakes in October of 1929. McFarland had a distinguished career in the state legislature, was a member of the State Agricultural Society, and was president of the Morrow County branch of the League of Sportsmen for the previous five years. McFarland left his position as mayor of Mount Gilead July 21, 1930, to assume his new position as supervisor of the State Farm and Lakes. He sold his own home and took up residence on the property by the present location of the Lower Lake. Construction of the dam and lakes began in October of 1929, and by April of 1930, 55,000 fir trees were planted on the slopes of the property. Raymond Seacrest, who was a state forester, supervised the planting of the pines, oak, and ash over a couple of weeks. State Lakes, as Mount Gilead, also known as the Lakes at State Farm, were completed in the spring of 1931. Fishing was not allowed for two years to allow development of the fingerlings released. Park's supervisor position was a political football in 1931. Due to some political maneuvering and shifts in departments at the state level, McFarland was forced to leave his caretaker position in 1931 after holding the job for only a year. The park was closed to the public and McFarland was asked to vacate his home, which is at the site of the present park office. The state transferred the position of supervisor to the Division of State Lakes and Parks. Under the Division of State Lakes and Parks, the fishing and hunting license fees could no longer be used to fund the supervisor's position. McFarland's position was abolished when the legislature would not appropriate the necessary funds. Guy Thompson, who was the local game warden, was shifted to the State Lakes as caretaker in September of 1931. The parks continued, but under the auspices of the Division of Lakes and Parks. In 1949, the State Lakes were turned over to the newly formed Division of Parks for operation as a state park. Paths and walkways have been developed over the years of the park's history. The Mount Gilead Shelter House was dedicated in October of 1991. John White was park manager at that time. Many local businesses contributed to the project. 
And I might add that that uh, shelter house that has the nice fireplace and everything, um, there was a contest for a design for that, and the winner was Tim Belts. And um, so when you go out there, think of the Belts family if you're using that shelter. But that's a little bit of the history of the Mount Gilead State Park. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, was it the house that was next to it? Well, it sounds like the house has been torn down, and they uh, they put the um, uh, office there in its place. Okay. I was thinking that's kind of what you were saying, so. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. That was uh, interesting and did not know the history about the park. All right, Mike. We have a special guest here today. Wow. Who's our special guest, Joey? Well, he's back, actually. It's Mayor Jamie L. Rucker. How are you guys doing? Welcome. Welcome. Appreciate you guys having me back on. So... Uh, yeah, this is your, I don't know, second, third time on, something like that. Second time. So uh, what's uh, what's been going on since you uh, saw us last? A couple of cool things are happening here in town. Uh, last week we had a rollout of our new recycling containers, which was uh, kind of a, a nice big deal for our community. Um, our local DKMM Solid Waste District helped us apply for a grant uh, that paid for a large portion of those containers. It allows uh, residents to recycle more items as well as um, keep them all contained with a lid. So one problem we're having in town is things are blowing all over the streets with regards to our recycling. Also, the more we recycle, the less we have to take to the dump, which saves our village and our community money as well. So hopefully this is a win-win. We recycle more. We also save money at the tipping fees. So that's kind of a big deal for, for our community. The nice blue bins. I mean, I've seen them out. Yep. So we got, we got the uh, Tuesday morning route already placed. We still have to roll out the Wednesday morning route, uh, so if your trash picked up on Wednesday, unfortunately those bins are not out, and with the storms, recent storms, our crews have kind of had to shift gears into uh, cleaning up from the storm and mowing, so I don't know if we're going to get to our Wednesday route quite yet, uh, but we're hoping to have those rolled out here in a week or two as well. Progress takes baby steps. It sure does. It was a learning curve on how to get those rolled out, and it's taken a little bit longer than we expected, but um, we've never had a rollout that many big cans in, in this short amount of time so all right so recycling what else uh, a couple cool things um hpm uh, many drive by there and you'll notice that it is starting to get picked up and cleaned up a little bit more so our county commissioners are, are helping to work the, uh, with the owner of that property to get that cleaned up uh, with the cleanup there we're actually starting to see a little more interest in that property now the property is getting cleaned up so we do have a couple businesses that have come and, and sought what kind of utilities that we could provide as a community to them and uh, so that's a good sign that there is interest in that property. And hopefully here, maybe by the end of the year, the property will be completely clean. We might have a business lined up that, that could utilize that space. Um, we did just get word today at the village office that another one of our warehouses that are already existing should be closing here in a couple weeks. Um, it's a business that was once here. They expanded and moved out of Mount Gilead, and now they're expanding again and wanting to move back into Mount Gilead for just warehouse purposes. Uh, and with that, should employ about five people here in the, in the village of Mount Gilead at that warehouse. So that's exciting. Um, it's a property that's kind of gone into disrepair, and so this company will definitely keep it up and maintain it, and we'll have five uh, new jobs here in Mount Gilead. So that's kind of exciting. Um, still working with our, our fire department to get things rolled around there. We've had a, some 
unfortunately some major failures in, in equipment there. Um, and so there's many would know about the, the levy, special levy we just had. Unfortunately, it did not pass. Um, you know, and, and that those funds were going to be used to replace some of our equipment. And uh, it's just very unfortunate that that week we lost some pretty expensive equipment the week that we uh, lost the levy as well. And so those are kind of all things that our council is really working on. Um, I will be happy to report that today we met with a pool company and uh, we're putting together a proposal for council to hopefully um, have one last ditch effort to save our pool, fix, um, fix all the major issues that are there. Uh, our community, uh, in looking at the numbers, it'd be extremely expensive for our community to build a new pool. And so uh, we did have a company come in and offer uh, some assistance and, and they have some pretty good guarantees on some of their work. And so we think with those guarantees, um, the, the investment to restore the pool um, might be worth it, but we're gonna let council kind of vet that and make sure we're on the right path. So uh, today we met with um, President of Council, myself, village administrator, and the uh, service coordinator all met with the pool company. And uh, we all asked questions, to try to see what kind of guarantees there would be if we needed to get the work done. So um, hopefully here soon, We'll be rolling out to the public some some cool things there. That's that's good news. I know you've taken some flack online uh, about the pool closure, and uh, you know I got to give you kudos. You know it's not always popular to do what's safe, uh, but you know the pool was a definite um, concern, safety concern. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that you did not close it. It was you know a council decision. Um, so kudos, you know, safety being the priority. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's the biggest thing we're going to have to do is stress to council, you know. Um, when we first advised them about the structural concerns, um, we, don't, we didn't know the severity of it. And so with some research, we do feel that some holes could be drilled and, and grout essentially pumped underneath will fill those voids and uh, keep that structure safe. And so that was the big discussion today um, was the safety of it. It's one thing to just stop the water from leaking, which was a big issue and why we had to close it and cause the issues. Um, but today's concerns were safety and making sure that if we were to open the school back up, it would be safe. And we do feel like the plan that's been proposed creates a safe uh, opening of our pool, uh, reopening of our pool, I should say. Um, and we think that uh, this could last at least 10 years if, if this goes through and everything works out the way um, it's being engineered. So. So it sounds like you uh, pulled your resources to uh, resolve this matter. Uh, yeah, thank you for that one, Mike. <laughs> I think they did, but the most important thing I think we need to remember is that it's our ool, not our pool. We want to keep the p out of it. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, yes. So what else there, Mayor Brucker? Um, the biggest thing is um, we're kind of regrouping after the big storm. Um, kind of threw a wrench in a lot of our plans. Um, we're working on the rest of our parts outside of the pools. So we're trying to get bid documents together to, to bid for uh, a new basketball court, as well as um, new tennis courts dropping down from two tennis or from four tennis courts right now to two tennis courts and two pickleball courts. Um, so that's hopefully going to be in the works as part of our master plan. And then um, just this couple, past weeks ago, I guess two weeks ago, um, the village administrator put together a master plan for a dog park for me. And um, I'll be presenting that to council uh, for approval here soon. And so adding to our park something new, which would be the dog park. And so um, really hopeful that uh, our parks and recreation areas here in 
not good. You get a little TLC of having to pull clothes. It's allowed us to pull some money. Uh, there's your joke again. Pull some money together for the rest of our parks areas besides the pool because um, the parks direct levy has traditionally been used just to fund the operation of the pool. Wow. That's, uh, that's an important piece of information there. Yeah, so a lot of people think that our, our, our sales of pool passes and daily admission um, funds the pool, sub-funds the pool, but unfortunately it does not. And uh, we've used almost all of our resources in the last uh, couple of years, five years or so, uh, just to keep the pool open. Hmm, okay. Is there, uh, what's, what's coming up in the future? Maybe not in 2021, 2022. Have you, uh, are you allowed to share anything? I guess it's probably the better question yet. Um, we're still rolling out sidewalk improvements, so all village-owned properties are going to be um, continued to, to see, so you'll see around all of our village properties, uh, we made it a priority for sidewalks. Um, there's some more sidewalks up near the parks areas that we're going to work on. Those look very nice, by the way, the new sidewalk and the new trees that have been yes. planted, very nice. Yep, so we're, we're going to keep working on, on those things. Um, we're getting ready to install battery backups and all of our traffic lights, so when the power goes out, lights don't go out, the traffic lights don't go out, and so that will be huge uh, for our community. Um, we're working on... Now, what if I get confused on their blinking patterns? Right, yeah. Well, no. <laughs> unfortunately, um, I always have one direction blinking red and one direction blinking yellow. Well, as long uh, as they don't all blink yellow, yeah, right? There's no change in that one, uh, especially on state routes and state mandates. But um, uh, So that's, that's happening. We're working on a couple of things that don't have necessarily a you know, immediate impact to the community, but we are working on subdivision regulations, bringing those up to standards. Um, a lot of our subdivision regulations were set back in the 50s and 60s, and so by bringing those up, um, we should be able to start pushing for maybe some small developments. You know, we have, we've been kind of holding back, not wanting roads that were designed in the 50s to be put into these subdivisions. So, you know, the infrastructure is the big part in updating our, our, our subdivision regulations. Um, and there's a few other little things here and there that are, that are in the works that um, I won't bring to light yet just because, um, you know, the kind of uh, interest, I guess, that you know, those administrators have talked about, but we haven't gotten council support yet, and I don't think it would be appropriate to... No, don't, uh, don't not, share that. Not share it with them first, so. No. All right, so I'm going to ask you to take off your mayor's hat, put on your other hat, your little theater hat. Oh. So this is something we do together. Yep. So um, uh, let's talk a little bit about Mar Little Theater. Sure. So we just had um, our show, Little Mermaid Junior, and um, it got it got really good reception from not only the the youth that were performing, but their parents and what it brought to their families, um, as well as provided some really really good entertainment for our community. And so if you missed that show, you really missed a good show put on by our youth. There were a couple of kids, oh my gosh. Like, I'm telling you, Mike, we have some talent. We have some talent. Like, if we can hold on to them, like, after they graduate, maybe go away to college and come back, we will have talent for years to come if we can just hang on to them. If we can hang on to them, like, we're going to be set. Like, there's just some, some good kids. Now, uh, Jamie, I don't know if you know this or not, excuse me, but we had a... Um, a special, um, I think I might have shared it with you. We had a, a mom share uh, her daughter's experience uh, with MLT yes. and what that meant. And I just want to share that um, because I, I think it's just so impactful. 
as to what exactly theater does. Um, so we, J Jamie and I had the opportunity to spend a little time in the, in the background and um, for the show. Jamie runs almost all of our sound. Um, and uh, we, we were sitting back, getting ready in between productions. We had a mom come to us, and she shared the story. She says, my daughter's speech was hard to understand at a young age. When she was in kindergarten, she was diagnosed with hypernasal speech. She had a surgery to correct it. Following the surgery, she now has an IEP for speech, is in speech therapy, and struggles with speech projection. She is a little shy about how she talks, saying that she has a baby voice. She auditioned for a role in a production at Mar Little Theater, which was Little Mermaid Jr. And um, she, said, she goes on to say, she loved working with the cast and crew. The theater built up her confidence and helped her by working on speech projection and clarity. She did an amazing job in her role and is very excited for more shows to come. It's amazing to see her progress and how proud she is of her voice and of her hard work. That's awesome. That story to me just says that we're on the right path in doing what we're doing. Absolutely. And um, I, I just wanted to share that, Mike. You know, you're you've done one show with us, I, I think, maybe two, maybe three, maybe I don't know. Just one. Um, he played a radio personality. Uh, Is that he, a hard stretch for you, or? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Um, yeah, but you're, you're providing a platform for these young folks to. Um, expand their abilities to learn and possibly to stay in, hopefully stay interested in doing theater work. And I, I commend your organization for doing that. That's, that's amazing in, this, in a community like this, this size. I think it's important to know that Mar Little Theater isn't only focusing on what Mar Little Theater does. So uh, Mar Little Theater has, has been in uh, Mount Gilead schools uh, in their high school, and I think we even did, uh, oh, no, we did, we did an elementary and a middle school production, mm -hmm. provided technical assistance, um, technical director experience, things like that, that uh, Gilead the school, Christian school also. yeah, and then we just recently did Gilead Christian School, um, and, you know, those programs, they don't have the expertise that we have, even though most of us graduated from there, but we've been doing this, some of us, for 20 plus years, or 15 plus years, or 10 plus years, uh, and that's lots of experience under it. Um, you know, we have uh, Jeremy Barr, who has been uh, the technical director at the OSU Mansfield and at the Mansfield Renaissance Theater in the past. Um, we just have so much to offer that it's, it, you know, I, I just want to make sure people understand that, you know, MLT is more than what, um, than, you know, our three or four shows a year. We're, we're providing a lot more. Even, um, even recently United Way has asked us to help provide some technical support for one of their events and so we're really starting to try to outreach uh, into the community and help them. Um, the Victory Shaft when we, when we had our 100 year celebration we came in and provided um, the reenactment and all the materials that were needed um, to provide that reenactment such as the stage and, and all the sound equipment. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of cool things that our theater company has been able to do as, as a group and grow and um, I'm just looking forward to where we can go with that. And uh, recently, you and I started <laughs> started brainstorming. Uh, you know, one of our big concerns with Little Mermaid Junior was we rented just a few mics, you know, from from a university, and um, that was so, one of the 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 threats that we had yeah. on our SWOT analysis too. Mike was we didn't have enough mics. Yeah. So not every not every youth could be heard, and uh, you know that's hard to hear that that there are parents concerned that their their 
you know, star on stage couldn't be heard. And so it was a big push for, I know Joey and I, after coming out of that, you know, now's the time that really we need to start focusing on the last piece of the puzzle for our tech side of stuff, and that's, we've never owned our own microphones. And so uh, just last week we rolled out a campaign to try to raise some money, we get 24 mics, and we're already up to three. Uh, purchased and, and on our way to four. So yeah, awesome. we are um, there. So everything that we need to go with it. Now, one thing um, that I sh didn't share yet is um, batteries. So we go through um, about $100 to $150 worth of batteries in the week of production. Either AA or 9 volts, whatever um, whatever we can get our hands on for mics, that's what it costs us you know, to, to do that. Um, we are purchasing... Um, with these mics, rechargeable batteries. Oh, good. So that'll help us cut a cost there. Um, these microphones are, um, we're buying them from a uh, graduate from Mount Gilead who works at Sweetwater. And um, so we're using a local guy to find this. I mean, we tried to do as much locally as possible. Now, the nice thing is here is they gave us a handsome discount which is um, why we wanted to go for 24. And, uh, you know, 24 mics is pretty much um, all we would ever need at this point right. because we also have hanging mics, floor mics. So with these 24 mics, I think that's going to max out our digital board yes. um, as to what it can handle. So uh, Jamie will be very busy running all of all 32 channels back there. Yeah. Most the of that mics. run was uh, 27, and that was a lot of work, so... <laughs> so we're excited about this. There's just so much going on. Um, I'm working on trying to get a, a variety show um, together for the end of September, beginning of October. We also have our Rocky Horror Picture Show movie night that will be scheduled here at the Capitol Theater. Uh, that's a late night one. That starts at midnight. Um, and that's going to be on the last Saturday of October. I believe it's the 30th. Um, so, you know, tickets will go on sale for that, uh, and we're working on putting together a Christmas show. We could not get the rights and royalties to um, It's a Wonderful Life due to a lawsuit with, between the movie company and, and several others. So, could not get the rights. I'm so disappointed. Um, but we're going to, it looks like we're going to do a show called uh, a big, an old-fashioned big family Christmas. An old-fashioned big family Christmas is what it's called. It's a comedy. takes place in the home of grandparents. Well, uh, I like that name because that fits right in with the parade and the theme of this year's uh, Christmas um, thing that the uh, Chamber of Commerce put, putting on downtown Montgomery. So uh, we did not know that. However, the nice thing is is that um, we're actually going to do the show and we'll be done with the show before Thanksgiving is the way that it looks like. So we'll actually roll it out. Now the reason we have to do that is because a lot of people take time off around Thanksgiving or they go away um, and then we don't want to interfere with any of the parades. And so Mount Gilead has their, you know, the, the Mount Gilead Christmas Parade is the first um, Saturday. Second Saturday is usually Cardington's thing or that Thursday that week. And so we didn't want to impact anybody else. So we're trying to find out what is that, that spot. And we thought, why not just lead the season? Right. The holiday season. So, just some cool happenings uh, from our little theater. Um, Jamie, can you think of anything else to share? I think that uh, pretty well sums it up. We are eagerly um, looking at bringing on a couple new board members, so some new faces uh, to our board, and we'll be rolling out um, some little information, I hope, about some of our board members so people can get to know who we are and um, 
eventually, down the pipeline, there's bigger, better things coming, um, such as hopefully our own space. And so we'll, we'll keep working towards that goal as well. As of right now, we're, we're kind of at a standstill there too. We've spent most of 2020 and the early part of 2021 figuring out um, where we want to go. We, we originally wanted to already have rolled out a, camp, a capital campaign to, to get a building. Um, but obviously, COVID has, you know, uh, kept us from doing that and made us really evaluate. We would not probably be an active organization right now had we gone forward with that. Um, and there are many uh, entertainment venues, Mike, in Ohio that have just closed up right. because of COVID and the lack of funding. And, you know, the governor's put out lots of funding. The feds have put out lots of funding. Mar Little Theater has not been eligible for any of it right. because we don't own a building. Um, and so, you know, we can't use a lot of grant dollars for capital purchases like uh, a building or um, like getting microphones. We, we just can't. So we're really limited on what we can and can't do. And, you know, we're not funded um, by anything except for tickets, sales, donations from everyone. Um, but recently I've been able to get us some uh, grants because Morrow County is an underfunded arts community. Um, so we were able to get some grants that way. Um, they're, they're not much, uh, considering the overall cost of a season. You know, um, for Shrek, we spent about $8,000 to just a stage Shrek. Um, and Little Mermaid Jr., the rights and royalties were $1,808. That didn't include the $700 costume costs or the $500, $600 set costs. Um, Which were low because we've had a pretty good... Um you know, we had a nice building year where we, yeah. we were able to have some leftover materials and a lot of our big stuff's already purchased now. So I used a lot of Set scrap to, to piece things together and, you know, a little tape and paint and you can't really tell a lot. Uh, one of the big purchases we made this year, though, was our scrim. Um, so the big piece of fabric, if you see some of the pictures on Facebook uh, that you can see the, the bright colored lights off of, that's uh, our scrim and that was uh, $530 and that was used. But it allowed us to, to take our technical side of things up a notch and uh, you know, continue to give back to the community a, a better experience, yeah, even if they don't realize that that, that little thing, that scrim, uh, creates kind of a huge impact on the overall appearance and production of the show. If you light it from the front, you can't see through it. If you light it from behind, with no lights on the front of it, you can actually see what's behind it, and it gives it kind of like a halo effect. like. Uh, so if you wanted to do a dream scene or something like that, you could do that. Um, with Scrim, we've done things in the past um, at the high school where, you know, it was a bedroom scene. So you were actually, like, looking through the bedroom wall in the diary of Anne Frank when we did it at Mount Gilead High School. Um, and then we, you know, changed the lighting and it looked like a wall so you couldn't see. So just some of those things that we're able to do because, you know, uh, as the audience, you're in a fourth dimension, right? You don't get to see that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're um, trying to bring all the, the big things to uh, Morrow County. Uh, one of the big things I'd love to try and do is rear projection. That's something that uh, Jamie and I got to see um, when we uh, saw Les Mis. Um, they did almost all rear projection, which is pretty cool. So, One day, we'll get there. We'll get there, slowly but surely. And uh, until then, we're just going to keep plugging along and bringing as much as possible to the stage. Um, and offer everybody as much as we can with what we have. Absolutely. And uh, we are a debt-free organization. We run that way. We are not. We don't want to take on large sums of debt. We want to stay. You know, we want to spend as much 
as we can in the experience and not on physical things. So, all right. Well, I think that'll close it out. Sounds good. Okay.